Hello, hello, hello. It's your girl, Tiara Nicole, and I am your host of the Chasing Dreams podcast. Thank you so much for joining me in the inaugural season. This season, we have a great list of guests who come to share their dream with the specific intent on providing a blueprint and showing you how to strategically chase your dreams. As always, be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share the episode with someone who needs to hear these gems. We want to hear from you. At the end of each season, we will have a Q&A session answering audience questions specific to the topic of chasing dreams, whatever that dream may be for you. Also, if you have a guest that you think would be a great fit for our show, feel free to share the contact info with us. All audience questions and podcast guest recommendations can be sent by email at chasingdreamspodcast at gmail.com. Chasing dreams with an S podcast at gmail.com. Now, make sure you stay tuned to the end of the episode for a very special announcement. Without further ado, let's get into this episode. Hello, hello, hello. I wanted to take a moment um, as a bonus episode and really just take some time to talk about a subject that's very near and dear to my heart, and that's life after loss. So today would have been um, the third birthday of my twins, Christopher and Christian, and the tricky thing about grief for me has been there's always a reminder. So I found out one twin was dead on my birthday, which is October 11th. Then October 27th is when I delivered them. Then March 11th would would have been my due date. Then um, Mother's Day is difficult. Um I feel a little tinge on Father's Day, um, but Mother's Day traditionally has been very difficult for me for the past um, three years that I've since losing the twins. And so there's this constant reminder of like, wow, I really don't have my babies. So um, with today being the anniversary of my due date, I wanted to take a moment to talk about life after loss. So earlier in the season, we talked to Sadija Smiley, and she talked about business beyond bereavement. And if you haven't heard that episode, definitely take a listen. But I did want to also take a moment to share my perspective as well, Um, just because I feel like grief is something we don't talk about enough, but it happens all the time. So miscarriage is actually found in one in four women. Literally 25% of the female population has experienced a miscarriage. Not only that, um, one in five clinically, um, what is it considered? Um, Clinically authorized? I don't know. But basically 20% of all pregnancies that a doctor has confirmed ends in miscarriage. 
So those numbers are ridiculously high for us to not even be talking about it. Beyond that, beyond miscarriage, let's talk about the grief associated with abortions. Let's talk about the grief associated with losing a parent. Let's talk about the grief associated when your child dies, um, not during miscarriage or during the pregnancy, but you've raised a child and they're not here anymore. Grandparents that have cared for you and loved you, um, aunts, uncles, whoever, grief is very tricky. So I decided to um, take a few moments of your time and have this conversation really because we need to talk about grief more, particularly within the Black community. It happens. It's a thing. It's real. And we cannot continue to pretend like it doesn't happen. Um, One of the things that I try to be cognizant of is that, yes, I was the one carrying the twins, but their father has a grieving process. Their grandparents have a grieving process. Their aunts and uncles have a grieving process. Their godparents have a grieving process. I'm not the only person that was hoping for and wishing for and praying for a healthy baby, or in my case, babies. Um, And I think it's important to recognize that everyone has a right to have a grieving process. I've heard, so as I've become more open with my story, a lot of people will will then say like, oh, I've experienced a miscarriage or my first child was a miscarriage or, um, you know, there was a baby in between our two children that was a miscarriage. And, you know, you hear these stories and you realize how common it really is. But a lot of times we don't talk about it because it feels so uncommon. It feels like it's just you. It feels like, you were the one that couldn't do it because you hear people talk about their kids and their stories and all the memories and the experiences and things like that but when we aren't openly talking about the loss when someone experiences that loss they feel like they failed I definitely experienced that because um so in my generation um There's four of us. So I have my little sister and then I have two older cousins. So my older cousins, one has five children. The other has three. So eight children and the oldest is eight. Okay. And when I was pregnant with the twins, I think it was seven, seven kids in that lineage. And the oldest would have been like five or six, probably five. Yeah, my nephew turned six the day after I miscarried my twins. Um, So I did end up going to his birthday party because that was important to me. Um, But literally 24 hours after leaving the hospital, I was in Richmond celebrating my nephew's sixth birthday. So I had seven nieces and nephews and the oldest had just turned six. The hardest part for me was like, damn. Clearly my family's fertile. Why couldn't I keep my children safe? What was wrong with me that I couldn't carry this pregnancy to term? 
I had eaten properly. I was eating even when I wasn't hungry. I was working out, which y'all know I ain't feel like doing. Particularly pregnant. Come on now. Um, you know, I was taking my multivitamins. I was going to the doctors regularly. All, like, doing all of the things. And I even remember my sister um, had her birthday party. And I distinctly remember she wanted to go horseback riding. And... Because Google said that horseback riding while pregnant is dangerous. I went because it's my baby sister, but I didn't get on the horses. I literally just sat there and like twiddled my thumb while they was riding horses. Um, so I did all of the things that I can think of um, to prevent it. And yet still my body failed me and failed my children. What I had to realize is that think it, miscarriage just happens. But if we don't tell our stories, it feels like a personal struggle as opposed to this really is common. It's really a normal part of the process. And it's not your fault. So I'm here to have this conversation to say miscarriages happen. Unfortunately, it's a normal part of the process and it's not your fault. Okay. Um, I did want to take a few moments to talk about the life I've been able to create after loss. So I miscarried the twins. I delivered the twins October 27, 2016. Since then, um, I have published three books. I have been very intentional with my business. I have completed my master's degree since then. Um, I've transitioned into full-time entrepreneurship. And I've really gotten to a place of healing. And I 100% attribute that to my twins. So when I walked away from my twins in the hospital, I made a promise to them that I would live a life that they would be proud of and that their death would not be in vain. And every day I have busted my ass to make sure that I have not broken that promise. And even on days like today where it's so difficult, so difficult. I try to remember the good that has come from losing them. And even though I would give it all away to see my children smile, um, to, to see them walking and talking and, um, you know, all of those memories, I would, I would die if it meant they got to live. What I've realized is that all I can do is find purpose and meaning for the loss that I can't explain. One of the things that helped me and continues to help me um, is the story of Job. 
So in the Bible, there is a book of Job. And at the beginning of the book, it starts off with God and the devil having a conversation. And the gist of the story is the devil kind of like challenged God. Um, Or no, the devil was looking for, I don't know, someone to attack, I guess. And God was like, have you considered my servant Job? And the devil challenged God by saying like, the reason he worships you is because you had this hedge of protection around him. And he said, if you remove the hedge of protection, I'll get him to curse you. And so God, knowing the character of Job, said, okay, you can do whatever you want, but you can't hurt him. You can't bring harm to him. And in one day, Job lost 12 children. They were all died in a house fire. He lost all of his cattle, which, you know, back in the Bible days, that was your wealth. Um, he got sick with boils and his wife told him, like, curse God and die and then, like, left him. And, you know, he, he pretty much lost everything in one day. And although I didn't lose everything in one day, I feel like I lost everything in a 30, 45 day window. Um, I lost both of my children two, three weeks apart. I lost my job. I lost my relationship that I had with their father. Um, I had family drama. Um, I was struggling financially. My car got repossessed. Um, I, I felt like I was at rock bottom. And this was literally between October 11th and like mid-November. So not even 45 days, literally like a 30-day window. All of those things had taken place. Um, And it was back to back to back to back to back. And prior to my birthday, everything seemed to be going well. Like everything was okay. Um, Everything seemed to be fine. And it just wasn't anymore. Um... Yeah. So in reading the story of Job, I really resonated with his story and understanding that sometimes bad things happen to you and it has nothing to do with you. Not everything bad is your fault. And Sometimes the bad things that happen in our life is because God knows we're capable of surviving it. And understanding that helped me to heal and process and work towards creating life after loss. Another thing that really helped me was um, being in therapy. So when I found out I was pregnant, I decided to get back in therapy um, because I have a history of depression and suicide. And through that, I recognized I was at a greater risk for postpartum depression. So part of me 
being proactive and wanting to get ahead of it was to get into therapy, et cetera, um, and develop that therapeutic relationship in advance so that I can try to minimize and mitigate um, the risk of postpartum. Did not know that the pregnancy was going to result in a miscarriage. But I'm glad that I had already developed that relationship with her prior to it happening. The reason for that is, um, one, we were able to unpack some baggage before it happened. Two, she already knew my history. She already knew who I was as a person and already had a deeper understanding of me prior to the the worst moment in my life. And three, had I started going to therapy after the miscarriage, I would have been sitting in her office in shambles while she asked me who was my insurance company provider, asking me about my history and all of these other things. However, because we had already covered all of that, because we already had been working together for months, we were able to focus on the present mudslide that was my life at that point. We were able to get to the root issues because we didn't have to cover the surface topics. Surface topics. So when a, lo- a lot of times when I recommend therapy, I'm like, even when it's okay, even when things are fine, you never know when hell is going to break loose in your life. So having someone already lined up can help you get through those issues a lot more efficiently and more effectively. And when hell has not broken loose, because we're all going to go through something, but when we're not actively going through something, that's when you deal with your history. That's when you deal with your baggage and your past and your past experiences so that you can heal. Heal. A lot of us carry around baggage and we don't even realize it. We feel like we have the weight of the world on our shoulders when the reality is it's just the weight of all the baggage that we have yet to unpack. So find a therapist. If you're considering a therapist, I strongly recommend finding someone who shares your gender identity, who shares your racial identity, and have experience working through the challenges you're dealing with. That's my recommendation. The reason why behind that is I feel like there's nothing a black man can tell me about what it means to be a woman. And there's nothing a white woman can tell me about what it means to be a black woman in America. However, I've had the most experience, the most um, productivity, I guess I could say, with black female therapists because you already know the challenges I'm up against. You already know who I have to be in this world. Now we can get to like me specifically. We can get to my problems specifically. It removes the need to interpret or decipher or translate. You already, you understand my language innately because you are also a black woman in America. And you know what that looks like 
from a family dynamic, from a work dynamic, you understand all of the different variations of what it means to be a Black woman in America. My suggestion, take it with a grain of salt, you know, what have you. But, and I have had experience, I've had productive experiences with other minority women. Um, I will admit that, but my most productive experiences has been with Black women. Um, I have had white female therapists and it just didn't feel productive. My experience, take it with a grain of salt, that's what I have to offer. But if you are experiencing grief, I think it's important to understand that grief is a process and it comes and goes. And I can be perfectly fine and then something trigger it and now I'm in shambles. And the first time it happened, I was like, what is going on? Like, why am I in shambles? I thought I was okay. And just recognizing, like, it's okay to not be okay. It really is. I remember it was two years after the miscarriage. Yeah. Two years after I delivered the twins. And I sleep with my phone on airplane mode. So, you know, there's that. And... And I only do it sometimes, but this was when I was doing it every night, faithfully, child. I was getting the best sleep of my life, okay? The best sleep. It was on airplane mode and on the dresser. Whew, good sleep. Um, which the reason behind that is not because I'm selfish, but it's because there are studies that show that if there is a phone in your vicinity, your brain will be overactive trying to figure out what's going on in your phone. So even when you think you're asleep, your brain is up trying to figure out, well, who's texting us? What's happening on Instagram? What's happening on Facebook? What emails are coming through? Et cetera, et cetera. And I realized that the more I slept with my phone on airplane mode and with my phone not in the bed with me, I stopped waking up in the middle of the night reaching for my phone. More productive sleep. Anyways, neither here nor there. Um, but the second anniversary of me delivering the twins, I woke up late, first of all. Anyone who knows me knows I am a morning person. And this was when I was working full time. So I was up every day at like 530. Every day. Because um, I was balancing working full time and running my business, etc. So with that, with my norm being waking up at 530 every day, this day I woke up at like nine o'clock. And I was like, what in the hell is going on? I'm like, all right, whatever. So I turned on my phone and my manager is blowing my phone up. But it wasn't from a place of like, where are you? What's going on? Like, he was like, are you okay? Are you alive? Are you in a ditch somewhere? Like, can you just let me know that you're safe? You know, um, I had a really great manager at that point. Um, shout out to Mike at Enterprise. Hey, Mike. <laughs> um, but he really was just like, are you safe? Like, please let me know that you're okay. Because um, I'm sure he called and the phone went straight to voicemail and then the text messages, I wasn't responding because I was knocked out cold. So I texted him back when I woke up. I said, hey, I overslept completely. I'm getting dressed. I'm on my way. He said, okay. Um, and I get to work 
And that's when it hit me. I couldn't even talk without crying. Like I, I couldn't do it. And I was quiet and I was in my corner. Not I was working on like admin stuff, not even wanting to help customers. Like I just couldn't do it. Or actually, no, I woke up at like 10 that morning because I, I remember maybe it was nine, I don't know. But I got to work at like 10, I think. And um by 10 30, I pulled up in the office and I was like, I can't do it. Like I cannot do it. I told him the situation. Um, I told him about the twins, told him that, you know, that day was the anniversary of me delivering them. And he said, okay, no problem. Um, you know, go home, etc. So I went home. I went home that day. I was scheduled to be off the next day. And then I think I called out the day after that. Like, literally, I was in bed for two and a half days. Like, in bed. Sleep. Just couldn't do it. Couldn't function. Couldn't breathe. Didn't want to do anything. And it caught me off guard because, like, I didn't expect it. Like, that's the thing about it. It's like, if you knew these moments were coming, like, I would have taken off. You know what I mean? Like, I would have requested off for work. But I had no idea that those moments were coming because you feel like you're okay. And then day of, you're in shambles. Same with Mother's Day. Like, I can be in a great space all of May, but then Mother's Day hits and you see the posts on social media, you see the conversations. And for me, trying to celebrate my mother brings up the fact that, like, I don't have my babies. Um, and then you're in shambles all over again. I say all that to say, um, understand that it's okay to not be okay. And you have to give yourself the space and freedom to process and heal and be okay with not being okay. And I remember when it came up more recently it came out of nowhere. So I don't, there wasn't even a date associated with it or some specific trigger. But I had just been struggling with the grief. And I actually reached out to Sadija. Um, so it's important to have a community of people that you can be honest with. So I reached out to Sadija, who I think it's been like 14 years for her. And I was like, does it ever get better? And she's like, some days, yeah. Some days it's, it's hard. And it's okay. Like you'll never not feel that for your, you know, for your child or children. And I actually had this conversation with someone recently and I was like, you know, I could have 10 children, but my heart would still cry out for Christopher and Christian. Like nothing can replace that bond and the love that I have for those babies. And even when I have children, um, and I cannot wait to have a rainbow baby um, with the right person. Let's let's clarify a few things. Um, But even when I have my rainbow baby, I know there will still be a space in my heart for Christopher and Christian. So, um, yeah, 
that's my story about life after loss. Um, this episode is absolutely dedicated not only to Christopher and Christian, but um, to anyone who has lost love and, you know, just the pain of losing anyone and understanding um, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. And that's okay. That is okay. If you have lost someone, um, I pray for your strength. I pray for your healing. I pray for your life after loss and that you make an intentional effort to create a life that your angels would have been proud of. Yep. Um, and just know you're not alone and it's not your fault. Thanks for listening, guys. I appreciate um, the space to be honest and be vulnerable and to be a motivational speaker who has the space and ability to say, I'm not always okay. And that's okay. Um, yeah. Did you know that March is Women's History Month? Of course you did. <laughs> what better way to celebrate than to join my nonprofit, Life After Loss, in our inaugural Women's Empowerment event being held Saturday, March 14th from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. The theme for this year is I am dot 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 woman. <laughs> what a powerful statement, right? During our event, we will have some dynamic speakers, amazing vendors, a panel discussion, and a lot of fun. Tickets are just $15. And as with any of our events, teens are free. We're also looking to add a few more vendors to the roster for just $25. And also, if there are any teen-led businesses, those are free as well. Um, so if you're interested, please visit our website at lifeafterloss.me. That's lifeafterloss.me for more information. We are so excited to honor, celebrate, and empower women. Will you be there? <laughs>